are my hiding place. You are my shelter. Lord, I trust in you. My firm foundation, rock of salvation. Lord, I trust in you. You are my hiding place. You are my shelter. Lord, I trust in you. A firm foundation, rock of salvation, Lord, I trust in you. And as your glory surrounds me, Lord, my heart is overwhelmed by you. As your mercy draws me, I'm in awe of you. You are my hiding place, you are my shelter, Lord, I trust. In you, my firm foundation, rock of salvation, Lord, I trust in you. As your glory surrounds me. My heart is overwhelmed by you As your mercy draws me I'm in awe of you I'm in awe My 
firm foundation, rock of salvation, would I trust you? Father, tonight we do put our trust in you and lean not to our own understanding, but tonight in all our ways we acknowledge you. And we thank you that you continue to direct our pathway in the days ahead. Holy Spirit, Spirit of grace, continue to do a deep work in all of our hearts. We say your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And all God's people said amen. We're on a, a subject, and, and uh, I started thinking about the, the word transition uh, quite a while ago, and <clears throat> I came home, and I'd asked her, you know, she'd been sitting on the, on the deck, and she said, God had given her a word, and we tell what was that word, transition. And uh, let me read this, and then I'm going to... Uh, read a little bit introduction out of the book, and then I'm, I want to talk tonight, I want to start this evening, talk a little bit about transition. But we said God is restructuring His church for the end time outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We said this will require change on our part or transition, change and transition. This will require change on our part individually as believers and corporately as a church body. Now, how many of you no, God's dealing with you about some area of your life. Not that you're a hardened criminal or sinner, but we all have areas, don't we? And uh, I, I want to start this tonight, and this is a little different, but um, I wish Caleb was here because he's the one that accuses me of these commercials are about me. How many of you are aware of the progressive commercials? How many have ever seen the progressive commercials? Dr. Rick? How many of you know who Dr. Rick is? Okay. Play these, these two or three just, just so you understand. You got sound? Start over, please. Okay, this is a freezer. Turn it up. Time capsule. Sometimes the house itself Turn it up. A young homeowner is turning into their parents. Not those two. Yep, they're gone. Forever? Yep. That there is Progressive's Home Quote Explorer website where I compared home insurance rates. We don't need to print the internet. Some are beyond help. I will give you $100 if you can tell me what this is. Scotch egg. It's a meatball. <sighs> Progressive can't help you from becoming your parents, but we can help you compare rates on home insurance. This my the airport can be a real challenge for new homeowners yeah. who have become their parents. Okay, everybody, let's do a ticket check. Paper tickets. We're off to a horrible start. But we can overcome it. We're not going to point out our houses, landmarks, or major highways during takeoff. Don't buy anything. I packed so many delicious snacks. They're... Nope. You say ballpark when group two is That's me. boarded. Two hours and 58 minutes. Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto when you bundle no, with someone us. Someone should have left home earlier. Plane tickets on your phone. 
We're at the movies and we need to silence our phone. Who knows where that button is? I don't have silent. Everyone does, right up here. It happens to all of us. We buy a new home and we turn into our parents. What I do is help new homeowners overcome this. Was that an adjustable spanner? Good choice, Steve. Okay, don't forget, you're not assisting him. You hired him. You have nowhere to sit. You have too many. Who else reads books about submarines? My dad. Yeah. Oh, those are... Progressive yeah. can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto okay, when you want turn the lights us. on, would you, please? Now, I don't know if that registers with you. It does with Brian and I. But that really... I know it's funny, it's ridiculous, it's silly, but there's a lot of truth to it. Because sometimes, you know... Old wineskins, we need to change. Amen? All you over 50 are thinking I'm looking at you, but I'm not. I'm trying to look look around. I'm in the same boat as you. And uh, so we're there individually and we're there corporately as a church. And I I, want to read this to you again because most of you forgot it. Luke 5.37 says, No one puts new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the new wine will burst the skins that will be spilled out and the skins will be ruined. Ruined. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. Whenever the Holy Spirit fills people with new wine, the structure or organization in which they function must change. Old wineskins rip. New wineskins must be used to hold the additional life and power of God. Now, I don't want to take anything for granted. Do you know what they used to do in ancient times as far as containers for wine? What? Wineskins. And, you know, that's why you put that new wine into an old wineskin. There's a chemical reaction. Listen to um, Kent Christmas. He did a 30-minute podcast. It was excellent on this subject itself. He said, uh, Christians all over the world have been crying out to God for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. Our Lord has never failed His church repeatedly. He has brought powerful spiritual awakenings. Many believe that the last outpouring of God's Spirit that was promised in in the Bible in Joel will soon take place. The time for God to move is at hand. Therefore, we should expect our present wineskins to rip. Jesus taught that it is impossible to pour new wine into old wineskins without ripping it. There can be no mighty spiritual awakening in our day without a great shaking of our church organizations, leaders, and structures. If you're looking for the second coming of Jesus, or if you're praying to God to move upon your church, your city, your local schools, your family, or your heart, own heart, then the first thing you must look for is a new wineskin. How will the present wineskin of the church be changed? We cannot expect to know the same power of the Holy Spirit that the New Testament believers experienced unless we have new wineskins similar to theirs. One of the major changes will have to do with the full operation of what we call the five-fold ministry gifts, which are what? Let's start at the beginning. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He said uh, many uh, Christians have thought that the, the apostle and prophet were only for the New Testament times, but that's wrong. Ephesians 4.11 says that all five of these gifts were given by God to the church until we all attained to the unity of the faith. Have we attained to the unity of the faith? 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Now, this is what is so important. The church will never reach its fullness, nor any form of unity, until all five ministry gifts are functioning together in the body of Christ. Today, God's raising up leaders who have these gifts. The church is now undergoing a major reformation in its structure that will enable it to handle a great outpouring of God's Spirit. See, in the, in the days ahead in this church, there will be the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Not necessarily coming from Tulsa, but raised up within these four walls. Now, that's, that's a new wineskin. And so we have to prepare ourselves. I haven't asked um, Timothy Scott, but I'm going to ask him to minister and teach uh, a week from Sunday. And uh, it, hopefully he'll be here because I've been on him and, and I've known that there's a gift there. And it's time that some of these things come forth in the body. In Isaiah 43:18, it says, Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now, transition. Here's this word, transition. Let me ask you, did you want to make a, you were thinking about that and talking to God. Why don't you tell him what, what did God tell you specifically? Get rid of me or? You were sitting on the porch and you were frustrated. And so what, what was the word meaning meant, meant to you? Change. Okay. Okay. Now, here's the, that's a good lead into what I'm going to ask you. What woman here will tell me about the stage of transition in giving birth? Did you forget? Is it, what, is it the last stage? Isn't it the last stage? God, peep women. Dear Lord. <laughs> okay, you're out of this then. It is the last stage. Yes, it is. And, and describe it to me. More intense. Do the pains come closer together? How do you feel? How, do your, how are your emotions, women? Some of you, it's, you're too old to remember, Val. You're in a lot of pain. You're a lot of excitement, anxious. Want that baby out? Ready to give up the fight? Okay, that's where we're at right now that describes the church. How many of you felt that way as a believer? How many have felt just frustrated, ready for something to happen, tired of waiting? Put your hands down. Got two boys in the back waving. But that's where we're at. That's why the Bible says don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't give up. Don't faint in your mind. Amen? Are you here tonight? I'm wondering. I'm sensing. Some of you need to stand here once in a while. I should just call on you and say, come on up here and stand here. Let me sit down there. Amen? Hi. At least they got life back there. Transition is defined this way. It's a passing from one condition, form, stage, activity, place to another. 
Kathy got the word transition. We give an example here with women in, in labor. And I was here last Sunday. And I, this is honest to God. I was sitting here. I come in here every morning to pray. I start with worship. And then I sit down in the chair to be quiet. And what happened to me on Sunday, just, it was just like, like that. It had to be the Spirit of God reminding me what had happened to me on Sunday. I'd come out here in the afternoon, open the gate, drove back here, and was going to unlock the door to the container when all of a sudden somebody, a man on a bicycle, came racing full speed up here as fast as he could go. And it, it threw me. Micah would have said I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared. He came so fast. Did I feel threatened? I'm impressed. Turn around. <laughs> we need curtains on that thing. You're distracting the preacher. It's all right, Dad. Sit down. It's okay. <laughs> He's hiding now. Oh. That's all right. We, we love children, especially other people's, you know. I, my two are with me now again. They're home again. Um, this young man came on it and, and came racing right up to where I was, jumped off his bike, put out his hand, and said, My name's Andrew. No, uh-uh, he wasn't that kid. That wasn't that kid. Oh, let me finish. We'll see. And I was a little taken back because I, I just, I wasn't focused. I was so focused on what I was doing that it, it threw me off guard. And right away I knew he was slow. And uh, he, he was, he pulled up and, and what was his first words? Are you the pastor? I said, yeah, I'm Pastor Mike. I said, who are you? And he said, Andrew. Then he started to tell me how he, he rides his bike. Does he live with grandma or mom or what? Okay. And then I said, oh, I said, he said something about I'm in sc- I'm school. I said, oh, you're in school. He said, no, I'm not in high school. I said, he said, but I'm, uh, I said, you getting your GED? And he said, no. He says, I'm in transition. I said, oh, okay. And uh, I invited him to church. He said, I'd like to come. And, and he was on his bike, and he was gone. But the thing was was so interesting. It was so odd that he just pulled in, and I don't know his last name. But I liked him. I, I li- Well, get a hold of him. But somebody's going to have to bring him because, you know, he have to write his... Okay, as long as whatever. I'm not going to take you from another church. But the thing is, the Spirit of God reminded me of what this young man said. He used the word transition. So that's transition, transition, transition. So I think God's trying to tell us something, church, that we're in transition. And it's an uncomfortable time. It might not be pleasant. It might be frustrating. But we can't quit if we want to see the baby born. 
if we want to see some spiritual births, then we're going to have to press in. Breathe. <laughs> Is that how you do it, women? I don't know. Let me, let me read you, you know, a few statements on change and transition. When you're, when you're through changing, you're through. When you're through changing, you're through. Most people fail in life because they're unwilling to make changes. But the fact is that correction and change always results in fruit. Let me say it again. Most people fail in life because they're unwilling to make changes, but the fact is that correction and change always results in fruit. So Harvest Church, individually, if we'll make the changes and adjustments in our life, individually and corporately, we're going to see fruit. But if we resist change and transition, there won't be fruit. Amen? She's got... She's got the best stories, and she tells them, and she's told this, but this is just a story I, I've never forgotten because Dick and Wally used to drive in on a tractor. They didn't drive a car, but they drove a tractor. Who drove the tractor? Well, Dick. Wally sat on the back on the tongue with bailing wire holding on, and in, in the winter, um, Dick wore a box over his head with a hole cut in. Now, I mean, she's where she's from. I rescued her from Monroe. And, uh, but <laughs> there's so many stories she can tell. They're, they're, they're interesting. They said there must have been some inbreeding going on in the family. Oh, no. They tied the sister to, to the clothesline with a rope around her. She barked like a dog. You think today's times, folks, it happened back then, too. But I said all that because I don't know if it was Dick or Wally who, who was in the nursing home. Wally, Chanel Hospital. They went in and gave him cleaned up, and they couldn't get a shirt off because the hair had grown through his T-shirt. He didn't like change. I know that's hard to tilt, huh? Hair growing through your T-shirt. I I can deal with that, but it's the shorts I'm wondering what we're like. <laughs> Carl, go home thinking about that. <laughs> Dick and Wally did not like transition. They didn't like change. Here's another statement. God never closes one door without opening another one. But we must be willing to change in order to walk through that new door. Oral Roberts said this. I thought this was good. You cannot, you cannot bring about renewal or revival or change without confrontation. That's good, isn't it? You cannot bring about renewal or revival or change without confrontation. What are some things you think we're going to have to confront if we're going to see revival? Apathy. How about religious mindsets? Well, we've always done it this way. My family's always sat in that chair or in that section in that pew. It's the truth. You can go all across America on a given Sunday morning and see where people sit in the same place every week. 
How about confronting your flesh? Confronting some sin in your life, see? To change, here's another one. To change doesn't always mean to do the opposite. This is encouraging, folks. In fact, most of the time it means to add on to or slightly adjust. So maybe some of us just have to make some adjustments. Amen? Did you realize this? When they went to the moon, the astronauts had to adjust their setting every 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes on the way to the moon. And even doing that, they only landed within... 50 miles of a 200-mile square on the inside, 50 miles in. Constant adjustment. Some of us have trouble making adjustments, okay? There are three things that we need to, that we need to know about the future. Number one, it's not going to be like the past. Number two, it's not going to be exactly the way we think it's going to be done. I sat in the... And some Steve was there and Darla was there and at the Republican meeting today, they meet, what, monthly? And listening to Mike Flood and a guest speaker. And I sat there and I just looked at her and I said, this isn't the way I thought it was going to happen. I never thought our church would be on the front lines politically. Never. Never thought that. Never dreamed that we would be part of an organization called Patriots United or Convention of States or whatever. But God does things the way he knows they need to be done. And if we're going to resist doing some of these things, you know, politically, then in all reality, we're resisting God. Let that sink in. If we're going to resist our involvement in Patriots United, Convention of States, and whatever else comes down, you're not just resisting that because you don't want to do it. You're resisting God himself. I sat here last, or stood here last night and read a letter I'd written to the American, or the, the Patriots United, and in it I talked about that, you know, a woman... You know, McNally, Heidi McNally had a vision. She got all fired up and fed up and wanted to see something happen. And I looked right at her and I, I said, but you know what? This is of God. Patriots United is of God. And what's done my heart as a pastor and a leader to see some of you get involved. I've seen people like I never dreamed the first time Amy walked in with Nate. And then the first woman I knew wasn't his. Wasn't the right one. You were. I never dreamed that you... Did you ever dream you're going to do stuff like that? How about you? Not in a million years. Never dreamed. I never dreamed that my youngest son would be so, you know, infatuated with guns and, and takes it so seriously. He does. He takes security so... Never dreamed that that would... He would be involved in the church heading up the security team. Never dreamed that. See, you know, we've just got to be open for change, open for transition. And I'll tell you what, God's going to do it His way. And we can try to figure it out ourselves, but you might as well give up. Amen?
Here's another statement. If we do not accept or encourage change, we will eventually fail. I said that. Your willingness to change or your resistance to it will have an effect upon others. Let that sink in. Your willingness and my willingness to change or your resistance to it will have an effect upon others. So if you're in the church and the, 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 the preacher says, this is what we're going to do, this is what God's told me to do, and you don't want to do that, what do you think? It's going to affect other people. Because you'll do this. I just don't like this Patriots United. Why does why pastor and his wife have to be so involved with that? Da, 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 da. And pretty soon, words have an effect. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Nation of Israel, what did they do? Complained. Let's not be complainers. Amen? Um, change will put you in a position to receive a miracle from God. Change will put you and I in a position to receive a miracle from God. One more, your ability to change your thoughts, attitudes, conduct, and speech will reveal if you fear God or not. Let me read that again. Your ability to change your thoughts, your attitudes, conduct, and speech will reveal if you fear God or not. And I do have a scripture on that. It's in Psalms 55, verse 19. Because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. I'm, I'm, I'm giving that time to sink in. If you're not willing to make changes. Steve, do you ever think you were going to do what you're doing today, 20 years ago? Didn't life, didn't life change for you and Darla? Yeah. But, you know, because they make uh, uh, an effort to change and do some things. I watched him at the Capitol running all over the place. He's easy to spot. Kind of brings me peace. If I get lost, I'll just look for his hat. But, folks, if, if you're not willing to make adjustments and changes, you don't fear God. Isn't that sobering? And see, in the days ahead, if, if, if I say something or Kathy says, says something and we believe it's God and we tell you, but you resist it, resist it, you're resisting God. You're resisting the authority of God. I thought of something a while back. Let's see if I can remember it. So I say this correctly, because I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> if you will listen to me when I'm behind the pulpit, you won't have to listen to me privately. If you will listen to us as leaders 
corporately. Really listen and hear and get the spirit of what's behind what we're saying. I won't have to confront you and deal with you privately. I thought that was pretty good. It's, a, you know, it's the truth. Now, we'll end with this. I'll go fast. I didn't even all this information because we've talked about the prophet, have we not? The evangelist, pastor, teacher. And I saved this for last because this is the apostle. Everyone say apostle. Apostle in the Greek means APO, means away. Stello means to send. It means to send away. A true apostle is a minister sent by God to accomplish a specific work. A true apostle is a minister sent by God to accomplish a specific work. Galatians 1.1, Paul says this, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Now, if you'll look in Scripture, in Ephesians 4.11, and in 1 Corinthians 12.28, Ephesians 4.11, and he gave some, what's the first of the five gifts? And he gave some apostles, okay? In 1 Corinthians 12.21, or 12.28, and God has appointed these in the church first apostles. So apostles are first. Say apostles are first. And really, in, in reality, I, I had no un, idea except a few years ago um, in understanding the, the ministry of an apostle. There, there's different kinds of apostles. And you'll see this here in just a minute. Hebrews 3.1, um, who was the ultimate apostle? Jesus. Who said Jesus? Jesus. Okay. He was the ultimate apostle. He's the greatest example of a sent one. John 20, 21. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So Jesus was sent. The apostle Paul was sent. The twelve apostles were sent. And the thing that, that, well, I'll get ahead of myself. Let me give you some characteristics. Look in your Bibles to um, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I won't go much longer. Who's going to be here Sunday? Apostle Mike. He's an apostle. Is he a sent one? Where'd God send him? The Philippines. He's also an apostle to churches in the United States, too. Let's see if I have this, if I can find it. This is chapter 10 of Matthew. And when he called his 12 what? Disciples to him. He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Now the names of the 12 apostles are these first. Simon, who's called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, whose surname was Thaddeus, and Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot also who betrayed him. Now, I want you to notice something. We started with 12 what? 
disciples. But then we get down to verse 2. It says, now the names of the 12 apostles. Well, what did he do? Sent them out. So if you, you understand, you, you think, is a missionary, is my keys a missionary? But not all missionaries are apostles. Okay? Not all apostles are missionaries. And so people get this in their head about the apostles. There were only 12 apostles. You'll get religious people and in seminaries and whatever teachers, you know, the day of the apostle is over, and, and that's not true. And they're doing a disservice to people. Okay? Now, um, a true apostle is always one with a commission. Not one who merely goes, but one who is sent by God. Look at Acts 13. Acts 13. We're going to have to really in the days ahead study these five gifts, talk about these five gifts, and really get to know the ministry, these five different ministries, because we're going to see them function and flow out of the church. I believe that with all my heart. Here we have in Acts 13. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed, laid hands on them, and what? Sent them away. Okay. So Paul and Barnabas were sent away to the Gentiles. Look at Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, verse 15, Acts 9, verse 15. This is the Damascus Road experience for Saul converted to Paul. And uh, it says in uh, verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he's a chosen vessel of mine, to bear my name before what? Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. How would you like to be sent out by God and God's going to let you know how much you're going to suffer? <laughs> Look at Romans 1. Romans 1. What's going to happen? What, in the last two years, what have we seen a resurgence of as far as the fivefold ministry gifts? The prophet. In the days ahead, you're going to see the ministry of the apostle. I really believe that. Romans 1, look at verse 1. Paul, th- this, is, this is so important and this is so good. Paul a what? Did it say Paul an apostle? Preeminent apostle. Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So we see here, Paul sees himself as a what? First and foremost, a bondservant, a servant. Now, this is the thing that I, I find interesting too. Look at Galatians. I'm almost done. Galatians chapter 2. Here we have a contrast between the apostolic ministry of, of Paul and Peter. Go figure that Peter, the one that denied Jesus, 
became one of the lead apostles of the twelve. See, don't try to figure God out. Just don't try to figure him out. His ways are higher than our ways. Galatians 2, look at this. In verse 7, it says, But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel, now this is Paul, for the uncircumcised had been committed to me. So Paul was called to the who? The Gentiles. Say, Paul was called to the Gentiles. Then it said kings and also to, to the Israelites. As the gospel for the circumcised, now who would that be? Jews, was to Peter. For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. Now, of the two, you got Paul or Saul, and you got Peter. Who had the doctorate and the master's degree? Paul. Who was, didn't even have a GED? Who did God send Peter to? The educated ones. Is that, does that, go figure. And then, you know, Paul goes, and, and it was a burr under his butt. His flesh. Because he had such a heart for the Jews. He, and he tried, and he'd go in there, and he'd get things mixed up, and sometimes it worked, and sometimes it didn't. And that's why you've got to stay within the parameters of your calling. Amen. Amen. That's so important. Now, there's different kinds of apostles. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me just read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and Verse 4, it says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. Were Peter and Paul different? Think, they think their ministries are a little different? Yeah. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Every gift has various expressions and will operate in a unique way, uniquely different from another minister. Have we had different? Some of you people have been with us for a long time. You've been blessed to have different ministry gifts here. You've had the fivefold ministry gifts, okay? And they're all different, aren't they? Sure they are. And the thing that you need to re- understand, there are different kinds of apostles. Number one, there are church-planting apostles. Who, may, who do you think of when you think of somebody planting a church in the Philippines? My keys. They plant, appoint leaders, and move on. Then there are governmental apostles who stay with the work and expand the kingdom through various ministries locally. So that's governmental apostles. Then there's, uh, number three, apostles of a message or a specific assignment. Now, well, I'll end with this. Apostles of faith. This is a specific assignment or specific message. Who could you think was an apostle of faith? Kenneth Hagin. Smith Wigglesworth. Copeland. Apostles with a specific message. 
Then there's apostles of healing. We think Oral Roberts was an evangelist. He was an apostle, too. He was an apostle of healing, okay? John G. Lake, Catherine Kuhlman, they were apostolic. I never thought about this. There were, uh, there's apostles of TV networks. Can you think of one? He's still alive. Pat Robertson. I think he is. I've, man, you, I look on TV, you want to hold a mirror in front of him. Make sure he's breathing. He is old. He's got to be up there in his 90s. He's an apostle. Paul and Jan Crouch. I thought Jim Baker. He started out that way. You know, he's back on TV. Marcus and Joni Lamb. I didn't know them. How many of you know who they were? Okay. Then here's one. Here's something you'd never dream. Who do you think of all the teachers of leader on leadership would be an apostle? John Maxwell, an apostle of leadership. So we can't just put the 12 apostles in a, in a basket and say that's all there is. God is a God of a, a variety. Amen? So we'll talk more about apostles and the other gifts in the days ahead. And, and uh, I, hope we're, I hope you're beginning to see there's so much more out there for us. You know, I'm, I'm so proud of Lonnie. Lonnie stepped it up in, in doing some things for me and getting things done. He's going to be working with the guys in the days ahead. Pastor Brad's got to, got to do other things. We're going to see Scott begin to, to teach. We're seeing the worship expand. It's, it's becoming more prophetic. You know, there, there's gifts here in this church and, and we want those gifts to come forth. Amen. Let's stand up tonight. Thank you for, for listening to me and ranting. And... Ah, it's early. It's early. Is there anything that you want to pray? Anything on your heart? Yeah, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, let's, let's hook up and pray for Mary Jane Osborne. And... Uh, um, you know, she's getting chemo, and I don't think she's eating like she should. And uh, so let's just undergird her with prayer. Now, if I pray in tongues, will you pray in tongues loud? I'm not going to be cheerleader tonight. We're going to make it short and sweet. Amen. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come in agreement as a church body and we say tonight that our prayers are effectual because of who we are in Christ Jesus. We come before your throne of grace tonight for Mary Jane Osborne. We take our authority in Jesus Christ. I bind the spirit of death in the name of Jesus. I loose the spirit of resurrection life to quicken her mortal body. I bind lying spirits that would lie to her in this hour. I say she hears the voice of the good shepherd and the voice of a stranger shall not follow. I speak to her body. I say the chemo 
will not have any long-lasting adverse effects upon her physical body. I speak to every organ system in her body. <coughs> Joints, ligaments, tendons, bones, nerve endings. I say those nerve endings will not be destroyed by the chemo in the name of Jesus. I speak life, health, strength to her body. Mo shaleke ilanda risulta. Any deceiving spirits I bind in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that she knows the truth, has revelation knowledge of Jesus, the healer. Holy Spirit, minister the Father's grace, mercy. Strength and healing to her this night in the name of Jesus. Darkness go. Light be. In the name of Jesus, I apply the blood of Christ to her mind, will, and emotions, her physical body, and her spirit. And I say no weapon formed against her shall prosper. Father, I thank you for your mercy tonight for Mary Jane Osborne. I command her body to receive, assimilate the food, the nutrients that she needs in this hour in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I continue to curse every cancer cell. I speak life to every cell in her body in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, Abe and I, we prayed for Mike this morning. Yeah. Go ahead.